So we're on part six of the series we've been calling The Purpose and the Process of Delays in Our Life. And I've been trying to get out of it for two weeks, but uh, seriously, I have. I've been wanting to move on, but uh, the Holy Spirit's just told me clearly, no, we're not moving off this. So would you guys just hurry up and get on this? <laughs> God really does have a many purposes, and he has processes to delayed answers to prayer in your life, to delay breakthroughs in your life, to delay dreams in your life, to delay promises in your life, and to delay prophetic words in your life. And uh, we talked about how the two absolutes God's always looking for in this time, especially in times of delays, is love and faith. Because love and faith come under extreme attack when we're in times of delay. I mean, when we're longing and desperate for a breakthrough, and it doesn't come for a long time. I mean, I was reading in Isaiah 49, and Isaiah, this tremendous prophet who we look up to, I'm reading in there, and he's pissed off. He's, he's, he's frustrated, he's mad, and he's taking God on in verse 2. He says, you know, you've, you've polished me. He's comparing himself to an arrow. And he said, you've polished me. You've prepared me. You've sharpened me. I, I'm so sharp and ready to go. And then you hid me back in the quiver. And then he says in verse 4, I've wasted my time. I mean, he's so frustrated. He's lost all his hope. But then in the very same verse... He says, oh, but you know what? All my breakthroughs are in your hand. And by the way, I'm in your hand. I mean, that's enduring faith. And the things that war against enduring faith in these times is disappointment and discouragement that rob you of hope. I mean, Proverbs thirteen twelve talks about, what's it say? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when dreams come true, it's life and joy. Hope deferred is dreams that you've been longing for and they're just not happening. Hope deferred is prayers that you've been praying for that you know the answer is yes, but they're not happening. Hope deferred is these prophetic promises, these breakthroughs that you're desperate for. Not only aren't they happening, it doesn't look like they're going to happen. And if we're not really careful, we'll let unresolved pain caused by disappointment Lodge in our hearts. And if unresolved pain caused by disappointment starts to lodge in your heart, then it isn't long before the enemy starts to influence your thinking and you find yourself building a case against God. If you let unresolved pain sit in your heart and you deny it or you ignore it or you just push it down, Proverbs thirteen twelve says, you've just made yourself very susceptible and vulnerable to emotional, mental, and spiritual setback. So I want to talk just a little bit tonight, and maybe all over the place, because I just put most of this together today, and I want to talk about fighting the good fight of faith, you know, fighting the good fight. And, and I've told you before, every time I think of fighting, I always think of spiritual warfare, and I always think of the enemy. But if the devil and all his powers were gone, I would still be in a big fight because I'm still here. 
and my unredeemed mind always battles me. When I'm in times of delay, when I'm desperate for a breakthrough, it's my unredeemed mind that I fight more than anything. So I want to tell you, it says here, I, I saw in uh, 1 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, this is Paul writing to his spiritual son. And I don't think he's just saying this as a principle. I want you just to do this. I'm, I think he's saying, you know, you're my spiritual son. I'm raising you up. You're pastoring a church. You're a senior leader at a church in Ephesus that's going through the greatest revival known to mankind at this time. And I'm going to pour into you during this time. And I'm going to share with you some of my journey. And here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Timothy, fight. Fight the good warfare. Wage the good fight for the prophecies and the promises that have been spoken over you. Fight for them. I mean, it reminds me of what he tells, tells them later. Fight the good fight of faith. And I want to just talk about the ways that I've done this before. I mean, I haven't always been really successful, but I want to give you one of the keys that helped me out more than anything. And it's such a simple, simple thing. Anytime any measure of opposition comes against you, whether it's discouragement, frustration, crisis events, I don't care what it is, confusion, open up the Word of God and read until the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Just get into the Word and just read until you hear the voice of the Lord or until you encounter His presence. And let me encourage you, get a translation that you love. I, I noticed Carissa's got this one now. She, we love the Passion Translations, all of them. So we've got all those laid out. But then I found this Bible one time, probably many of you have it, where it's, it's huge, so you can't carry it anywhere, but it's got like three versions all in a row, and it has the message, NASB. Well, Carissa's got that, so she's got that laid out there and the passion, and so she's studying it. Find a translation that you love. Open it up and read until you hear the voice of the Lord. Just do it. You're not reading. Don't misunderstand me here. You're not just reading the word for comfort. Although although you, you will be comforted. But I'm saying you're reading it to get an encounter. You're reading it. You know, uh, Matthew 5, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, you read the scriptures because in them you believe you have eternal life. But these things point to me. In other words, what you're reading had better lead to an encounter with me or you're just getting more head knowledge on how to live and how not to live and how to become strong in your own strength. I love um, what Carissa read today out of Ephesians 3, a little bit further down, Apostle Paul writes this, and he says, I pray that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, and that you may be filled through all your being to the fullness of God. And then listen to this phrase. This is worth the whole night right here. And may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become wholly filled and flooded with God himself. I pray that you would encounter the Lord to such a measure 
that you become wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> Paul is praying that there would be a people because of their continual encounters with a God that transforms, they become wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That means you're so filled and flooded with God himself that every time you bump into somebody, you leak. <laughs> you walk into Starbucks and 12 people were depressed and all of a sudden they're no longer depressed. You're leaking everywhere you go. That's the prize. And anything we could pay is hardly worth comparing to the glory of that prize. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the... It was the glory, the manifested presence of God on you, in you, and through you to overflowing. That's always been the goal of the Lord. In the Old Testament, we read things about the fire of God coming upon people. We read about God's presence coming upon Moses so his face shines. We read about this cloud of the presence that follows the people. Yet we have a large segment of the body of Christ in these days that's satisfied in believing something in print that they've never experienced. I hate that about myself. That I know things theologically that I haven't experienced yet. That I haven't put a demand on my theology to move me into an experience. <laughs> Faith in the print page has been exalted as though that's the ultimate. No. It has to take you somewhere. It has to take you into an encounter. So close your eyes for a second. And if you, just with your eyes closed, if you want to have a renewed passion for the word of God, I want you to put your hand up. Because I'm in one right now. I'm on fire for his word. So, Lord, all across this room, look at the hands. All across this room, Lord, I release, I impart a passion for your word. Just an extreme passion for your word. I pray for encounters for every person that's got their hand up right now, Lord, that they would have radical encounters with you where their heart ignites with a passion. <sighs> oh, for revelation. Revelation that leads you into an encounter. Because that's what revelation is. It's an invitation in, into an encounter with you where they're ruined. And I release that over you right now in Jesus' name. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That word know, it's the same exact word that's used in the scripture when it says Adam knew Eve. She conceived and bore a son. It's a very intimate knowing. To know by experience that which is beyond knowledge. It's actually being desperate. Saying, God, I have to have more than just this stuff that's in my head. I've got to have, I've got to have encounters with you that transform me. I have to experience you in ways that reaches deep within me and absolutely transforms and changes the way I approach life. To know the love of Christ beyond knowledge. Now, I have to tell you, I love knowledge. I love getting revelation. I love getting insight. I'm a teacher, so I love learning new things, and I love teaching the truth. But I no longer want to have knowledge of things that I haven't experienced. And I absolutely will refuse to teach 
anything I haven't experienced. If I do teach something I haven't experienced, I will qualify it. I can't say that was always true. <laughs> Tim will tell you the truth. Tim, Tim helped me get hurt. My mentor back there. Raise your hand, Tim. He mentored. Raise your hand, Tim, so everybody's here. <laughs> he helped me with this because I used to love to get revelation to impress. Oh, it was horrible. Every time I even think about it, I want to get an air sick bag. I mean, it would, people would tell me after my sermons, that was so good. And I'd be, ah, oh, yeah, I'd be just soaking it in. And they'd start to tell me why. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care why it was good. I'm just glad it was good. I mean, it was sickening. But now I don't care. That kind of stuff, I don't care. I've had it with knowledge of things I don't experience. I'm no longer trying to impress anybody with my knowledge or my incredible insight. I know. Good, good luck with that. <laughs> I haven't stopped pursuing it. Wisdom and revelation. I just don't want anything up here that I don't have here. You know why? Because I'm convinced that God is raising up an army in these last days. And it's an army unlike any other army. It's not an army that's memorized all the principles of warfare. It's not an army that can all stand and quote the same doctrine. It's not that kind of an army. It's a first John anointed army. It's an army trained by the anointing. And it's the presence of God within me provoking me for supernatural service. <laughs> and I'm not exalting manifestations above the Bible. There has to be scriptural support. But I'm telling you, there is a people that God is raising up who are being trained first right here by the anointing, by encounters, and by experience. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the house. Read until he speaks. Read until you have an encounter. Read until you apprehend him. Read until he apprehends you. He wants to speak to you way more than you want to hear him. I'm serious. I don't care how bad you want to hear him. He wants, he wants to speak to you more. <laughs> so anytime you're in a time of delay, anytime you're in a time of opposition, confusion, and frustration, Anytime you're in a situation where you have things you're going through that you don't understand and don't have an answer for, open up the Bible and read until the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Read until you hear his voice. And here's the thing. Your external circumstances may not change a bit. But you won't care. Because you'll so transform from the inside out. And here's what will happen to your external circumstances you will so transform on the inside that you'll release on the inside and it'll change your external world. Hmm. Let this time, when you open your Bible, start out by saying, I want to have a Psalm 91 experience. I'm opening up my scripture today, Lord, 
and I want a Psalm 91 experience. I want to live in the secret shadow of the Most High. I want to sit enthroned under your shadow and be hidden in the strength of the Most High God. I love that wording of that Passion Translation. Sitting enthroned has nothing to do with striving. It has nothing to do with working hard. It has to do with sitting enthroned in his presence. It's so awesome. I mean, we, as part of our human nature to strive and to work for something, sitting enthroned in the presence under the shadow is simply yielding and surrendering ourselves to the presence. It's just living in that internal castle of the presence that lives inside of you. It's just living there. It's just hanging out there. And then it says in verse 2, He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold that shelters me, the only God for me and my great confidence. You can't open Psalm 91 and not hear him. And it was like two verses in and you're already ruined. <laughs> this is really important in time of delays. Some of you sitting in this room have had significant promises from the Lord spoken over your life. And they haven't happened yet. You're still in a season of delay. And I want you to hear this. This is something the Lord told me today. When the Lord gave you that promise, it's because he went into your future and he saw what you would be, and he came back with the word which was necessary for you to get there. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? I'm going to read that again. When the Lord gave you a promise, get that promise in your head right now. It's because he went into the future, and he saw what you would be, and he came back and he gave you a word to get you there. For me personally, back in 1996, I got the most prophetic word I've ever received in my life from a prophet, two prophets, a a lady and a guy. And they gave me this word, and it listed my everything about me, my future, my destiny, my gifts. I mean, it was just crazy. I was, Chris and I were associate pastors at a church at the time. We were in a place like... uh, just before renewal broke out in 96. And we were like, I mean, I, 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 was, I had so many habits. and I was struggling with the Lord so bad. I used to speak and, and pray that there wouldn't be this big board like this that said, do as he does, do as he says, not as he does, because he doesn't do any of the stuff he's telling you. In fact, I don't even think he's saved. I mean, it was, I, I was so messed up. I had so many habits and so many problems. And I told Carissa, and, and we kind of echoed each other. We said, is this the abundant life God died for? Because if this is it, it's not enough. I can, I'm barely making it. I have one foot in, one foot out. And then renewal broke out. And we would go to these renewal services. And, and we heard about the Holy Spirit just pouring out and waking people up all over the world. It was Argentina, Brownsville, Toronto, uh, Reading, Citrus Heights, where we were, had a family church that was going crazy. So we would go to all, every night we'd hear there's a revival service. We would run and stand in line. And the way they did it in those days is you'd they'd put this tape on the ground. Everybody would stand there. And then these leaders would come by all anointed and would touch your head. And everybody would just fall. Boom, boom. We took my whole family there, Chris and the whole family. Boom. Every time I just stood there. They, I never, it was so crazy. One time we're at this one place and the pastor walked by and he's, Bam, bam, bam. I'm thinking, here we go. And he comes up and he puts his hand on my forehead and he goes, oh, so much. (laughs) And and then he just kept walking on. That's how 
messed up I was when I got this prophetic word. When I got this prophetic word. The Lord, <laughs> I'm telling you, I was messed up. And this word comes out and it tells me all these things about what I was going to be and all this. And I, my spirit's just leaping. And I, I, I just so wanted that to happen, started praying it in. And the Lord's like, I could hear my mind laughing. Then I could hear the Lord laughing and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen for a while. Because if I gave you all this now, you couldn't handle it. You would die. You're, you would take this. You're, you need some character development, Gary. You need some humility. You're going through. I'm going to introduce you to this thing called process. You're going to hate it. I love it. Because in process, you're constantly coming to me. Normally screaming, get me out of this. But at least you're coming to me. Process is a series of steps that takes you from point A to point B. From prophecy spoken, prophecy fulfilled. Now, I want to start in point A and get to point B like that, and I want, I mean, I want to go so fast, and I don't want there to be any problems. And the Lord, I discovered, doesn't really care, doesn't about my need for speed, and he has a totally different understanding of problems than I do. He enjoys problems. So I knew I was going through this process. <laughs> if, and <laughs> so part of the delays that we go in in our life is part of this thing of process. Because if the Lord were to release the answer to some of your prayers, to some of your promises, you would be destroyed because you're not ready for it. So where are you in the process? I discovered there are people who don't always have to go through process. Sometimes God supernaturally does things in their life. I'm like, how did you get there? Oh, God just did it. I'm like, why don't you do it for me? Because you're a person of process. See? <laughs> so God saw me way out here, and he came back, and he gave me this word, all this tremendous prophetic word, and that was what's driven me to where I'm at now. I'm closer to that prophetic word being fulfilled than I've ever been before. So many parts of it. So, let me give you another key. When you're in a time of delay, get into the word, read until he speaks to you. But the key is you have to listen. You have to listen. Isaiah 55, 3 says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight in abundance. In times of delays, when you're going after him and you're getting into the word, listen carefully to the Holy Spirit. Not to your circumstances, not to your fears, not to your what-ifs, not to what's not happening. Listen carefully. Sometimes I don't think we listen carefully. I think we listen selectively. Instead of hearing Jesus say to the rich young ruler, sell everything Give to the poor and follow him. You hear, buy all you can, wave to the poor, and I will follow you. Listen carefully. And then it says, incline your ear. Position yourself to hear. So let me give you four weapons to use in warfare. I'll just give them to you real. Give you four quick ones, and then we're going to spend most of our time on the last one. 
Because I think the last one is really key. Four weapons when you're in, when you're waging the good warfare over your promises. The first weapon you have is the word of God. The scripture says the word of God is a sword of the spirit. It's a weapon. When Jesus was tempted, he responded with the word of God. Number two is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a weapon in warfare. Number three is the blood of Jesus. In the Old Testament, the blood of Jesus was put over the doorways of houses so the death angel had to pass over the house. And I don't know if you've ever heard this before or if you've ever used this before. You've probably heard people say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my son, over my daughter, over my family. It's declaring that the blood of Jesus keeps that person safe and free. The blood of Jesus sets that person apart from the enemy's ability to rob, to steal, and destroy them. You know, I've noticed that, especially with our unsaved loved ones, we put more power in the enemy's ability to hold our kids than we do in the blood of the Lamb to set them free. The fourth one is the one I want to spend the rest of our time on. The best weapon you have is praise and thanksgiving. When you're in a time of delay, and you're in a time of opposition, praise and thanksgiving are the best weapons you have. The church is getting more and more revelation on what praise is, and that's great. But I don't think we've still gotten enough revelation on how powerful thanksgiving is. But the words praise and thanksgiving are always linked together. Psalm 100 says... Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Thanksgiving is such an undervalued trait. There's something so powerful about a thankful heart. In 1 Thessalonians 5, we're instructed to rejoice every now and then. No, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. I was just wanting to see if you were listening. Rejoice. Pray without ceasing. In everything... What does that line say? What? What? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Notice it says, in everything, give thanks. It does not say, for everything, give thanks. If we get sick, we don't thank God because he's not the author of it. God doesn't instruct us to say give thanks for. He says in. In fact, that word there for in means is uper, U-P-E-R, and it means above, beyond, or over. So when Paul's telling you to give thanks in all circumstances, he's saying give thanks above, beyond, and over your situations. You don't have to be thankful for your situation, but you need to be thankful in it. He's not saying throw your brains away and thank me for getting in having you lose your job. He's saying, I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord, that you're in this with me, that I feel your presence in this with me. That's what you're thankful for. So, <laughs> Here's the thing. Thanksgiving is an absolute choice. We have another choice. We can whine and complain. God has given us a weapon against whining and complaining 
and against the spirit of negativity, and that weapon is thanksgiving. Here's the thing. I always notice that praise and thanksgiving are linked together. Praise obtains. Thanksgiving maintains. In praise, we worship, we take ground, and when the enemy always regroups to come back, he always does. You know, there's always two fights over every battle. There's always the first battle, which is to win the ground, and then there's a second battle, which is to hold the ground. Praise obtains, thanksgiving maintains. It's the two battles. You see it in Second Samuel somewhere. But David sees the enemy coming after him, and he goes to the Lord, and he says, what do we do? And the Lord says, gear up and fight. I've given you the battle. So they fight, and they win the battle. The enemy takes off, and he's rejoicing, and they've collected the spoils, and everybody's in a great mood. And they look, and they see the enemy has regrouped and is coming back because the enemy never gives up ground easy. He always comes back to get the ground back. So now if that's me, I'm just telling the guys, these idiots are coming back. Let's go get them. But not Samuel. He steps back into the Lord and he says, what do we do? And the Lord says, well, second strategy here for this to hold the ground. What I want you to do is just praise and worship. And I'm going to rise up like a man of war. And I'm going to crush the enemy. That's how you hold the ground. So there's always two battles to every, every battle. So one's to win the ground, one's to hold the ground. Praise gets it. Thanksgiving maintains it. In Thanksgiving, our, in our culture, I think Thanksgiving has to become a weapon. Think about this, though. What would happen in the body of Christ? What would happen here at the mission if in our church and in our job sites and in our homes and in our relationships, if we took all of our judgment and criticism and turned them into intercession? What would happen? Instead of interceding to the enemy... (laughs) Maybe we could intercede to the Lord. Make it a lifetime decision tonight to turn all your criticisms into intercessions. And I'm pretty sure I can tell when someone's not praying about something because they're whining and complaining about it. It's hard to whine and complain if you're talking with God. And I've also discovered something. If complaining got you into a problem, Thanksgiving's going to get you out of it. And if... Anything illustrates this any better, I don't know what it is, than Jonah. How many remember their Sunday school message on Jonah? Jonah was a prophet that got instructed to go to Nineveh to declare the judgments of God are coming to the people of Nineveh. He didn't want to go tell them. He was rejoicing. He hated those people. He wanted them judged. So he, he said, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to go over there. I'm not doing it. So he runs. Um, not a really smart thing to do. And God puts him in the belly of a fish. <laughs> now, what happened here? I hate these things. So, so Jonah's in, in this belly of a fish. What gets him into the fish? Whining and complaining and telling God he doesn't want to do it. What got him out of the fish? Verse Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, and he said... Help me out of this affliction. I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. The minute he said, I rejoice with a voice of thanksgiving, the fish spit him out. Complaining gets you into situations. Thanksgiving 
get you out of situations. Now, I want to share this story with you, and we'll close with this, and I have a prayer over you. You guys remember in John chapter 6, and I think it's in two of the other, at least one of the other Gospels, Jesus feeds 5,000, it says 5,000 men. So if you count the women and children, there's probably 15,000 there with two fish and a couple loaves of bread. Remember that story? Jesus tells the people, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, and they ate as much as they wanted. Jesus took the loaves and the fish, and he gave thanks. Five loaves and two small fish is nothing for a total of 15,000 people. You getting the picture? Giving thanks for the seed is what led to the breakthrough. (laughs) Sometimes you're praying for something and God gives you the answer in seed form. If If he finds a soil of thanksgiving... It'll lead to the breakthrough. I don't think you're getting it. People are getting healed. Oh, I need healing. You're praying for them. Do you feel better? Eh, a little. They probably are not going to get healed. You're praying for someone. Do you feel better? Yeah, yeah. It's not great, but I feel a little bit better. They just seeded the ground for their breakthrough. Sometimes God gives you an answer in seed form. And if he finds the soil receptive to the seed, then he'll give the breakthrough. Two fish, two loaves of bread for 15,000 people is nothing. But the minute he gave thanks. And I've got to tell you, it must have been some kind of supernatural release that happened in the atmosphere. This is what I'm saying about the power of thanksgiving. Because it, as soon as he said thanks... Everything broke. Supernatural breakthroughs happened. You're in a difficult situation, an impossible situation. You start giving thanks. You're seeding the ground for an incredible breakthrough that you can't even imagine. You know, a number of years ago when I ran the deeper school, this was probably seven or eight years ago, the deeper supernatural school here at the mission, we had these uh, evangelists come in. And he asked me how many students are going to be there, students and staff. On this day he was speaking, and I counted him up, and I said, we have exactly 82. So he went to the bank, and he got 82 $20 bills because he wanted to bless each student and staff. So he lined up everyone across. Well, when I counted the people, it was in the morning. By the time he got there in the afternoon, we had a bunch of visitors and stuff. We had 117 that lined up across the front. This guy had 82. So he just said, well, let's see what God does. And he went down. $20, $20, and he had 117 and still had a handful of $20 bills. Now, we bragged about that for weeks. It was the greatest story. I mean, it was just a faith story. It was amazing. Every time people talk, what about that $20 bill? Oh, let me tell you. You know what happened with this story right here? The next day, John is walking down the street, one day after this miracle that he was involved with, and they came up and somebody said to him, Hey, tell, what happened yesterday with the fish? Oh, you mean the day that Jesus gave thanks? 
that's how John remembered the story. Oh, that was the day Jesus gave thanks. It wasn't the miraculous things that happened. It was the power of the thanksgiving. Guys, I want you to get this. I want you to get the power in being thankful. It's the hardest thing in the world to be thankful in a situation where the last thing you want to be is thankful. But let the Holy Spirit develop that in you. Get into a place where the Holy Spirit can produce his fruit in you. All of that fruit, it's really good fruit, but it's produced in soil that's developed in process. It's not bad soil. It's great soil, but the soil's tilled in the process. How is the fruit of kindness developed in you? When you're in a situation where the last thing you want to be is, yet you yield to the Holy Spirit and you surrender and allow him to produce his fruit through you. It's his fruit. It's not yours. It's his fruit. He's responsible for it. You're responsible to yield to him. When you're in a situation right now weighing really heavy on you and the last thing you want to do is be thankful for, be thankful. Just start to thank the Lord. Find something to be thankful for. Ask him to fill you with his presence, overwhelm you with his presence. That's something to be thankful for. You know, just don't be thankful for what's happening, but be thankful in the situation, yeah? I said, I want to release a spirit of thanksgiving over the house. So just by a show of hands, how many are in a situation right now that's been going on for a while and you would like to see the breakthrough? Just by a show of hands. Go ahead and stand up. Let's go ahead and stand up. I'm going to release a word over you. Just get in, assume the position, and just get ready to receive this word. In fact, come on up. Get up by me. I want to just release this over you. Squeeze up here real close. I know it'll be uncomfortable, but I just want to release this over you close. (laughs) I want you to really believe this word. Don't just let it hit your mind. Your mind will try to talk you out of what your spirit knows is true. But this is what the Lord's saying to you. I hear the Lord saying, you have come so far. Do not stop now. Continue to press into me with confidence, for I am so for you. And I'm telling you, do not throw your confidence in me away, for it has great reward. But continue to press in, pursue me with deliberate speed. Oh, this is good. For I declare to you that you are close. I'm just going to release it over you right now. You're close. Receive that word. You're close. And the things I put into your heart are not far off. In fact, many of you are standing right now on the line of breaking into your dreams, your passion and desires I put in your heart. So do not throw away your confidence, but step into that increase in faith that the Holy Spirit is offering you right now. And receive the blessing that I have for you. Press into me. Pursue me with deliberate speed. Beloved, I have absolutely been waiting for this moment. 
when you would fix your eyes so passionately on me, right in the midst of swirling external pressures, where you would take your eyes off of lack, off of your external opposition, and look for my goodness. For I have been so excited for this day when you are so captured and captivated by my love and my goodness towards you that you would no longer walk by what you see or by what's happening in your life. But you come before me in the midst of those trials, and you're going to say this to me. I will not let go of your love. For you would no longer say, I feel abandoned. And you will no longer say, where is God? But you say, I don't understand, but I know my God is a good God. And all things do work together for my good. So, beloved, fix your eyes upon me and walk in new levels of enduring faith that I prepared for you in this season. And I hear the Lord saying to you guys, do not be weary, for I've sent my presence here tonight to strengthen you and to renew you in my spirit, for I have come to lift you up. And I say to you one more time that I am the God of the sudden breakthrough. (laughs) And many of you are crying out for things, but I say to you, don't stop asking, don't stop seeking, don't stop knocking, for I am the God who comes and suddenly opens the door for those things you've been praying for. And one last thing. I'm saying to you, even those dreams, those words and those passions that you have given up on and let die, I am the God that brings those things back to life. I am the God of the resurrection. And I am asking you, beloved, you would resurrect those dreams in your hearts and bring those things back to me, for I am the God of the breakthrough. Yeah. So, Lord, I just pray for that word to be released. I pray you seal it in the hearts, dreams that we've given up on, hopes that we've given up on. We're telling you, enemy, right now, you've just been defeated here tonight because we got a word of the Lord. Those things are still alive and well, and we're coming after them. And we're receiving this word as a word of the Lord right now. And we are no longer looking at lack. We are now looking at you for provision. And we know you've waited for this day Lord, we know that you're chasing us, and we're saying we're going to make it really easy for you to catch us. Come get us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yay, yay. Yay, God. So bless one another while you're around. Just seal that word over. Just seal that word.